Hey guys, massive welcome back to this week's podcast. Thanks again for tuning in and returning. For those of you who are returning, um, I am very appreciative of you. And um, and I'm really excited for you to hear part two of this conversation. If you're brand new, you're actually coming in in the middle of a conversation about apologetics with uh, my friend Alex, who is my guest today. Um, I hope you enjoy it. If you've missed the first half, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that as it will continue um, straight into this one. However, as, it, as always... We encourage you to subscribe if you're brand new. We encourage you to leave a review, leave a rating, um, and share this with somebody that it might bless. Now, um, again, I want to encourage you to get a notepad ready, get a pen ready, and take some notes. Um, and the other thing as well is that all the stuff that's referenced in terms of books in this podcast, I'm going to add that in the description, um, maybe from places where you can buy it from or just um, other other places like um, Amazon. I think Amazon might be the closest place we can buy it from and order it online. But apart from that, let's not tarry. Let's jump straight into the podcast. Hope you enjoy this. So I think um, there are certain laws of logic that apply, yeah. um, and you logic. know, so scientific inquiry is based on logic. Yeah, um, and science. you know, so so one is you know, um, and now I'm really going to start talking outside of my expertise because. Ooh. I haven't studied this formally or even informally very well. But, you know, logic, like the law of non-contradiction, something can't contradict itself, you know. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's self-contradictory, it can't be true. Yeah. Um, um, Can you just go a little bit into science? What kind of science? Because I yeah. hear there are different types of sciences. Right. Uh, so some have, you, you know, the... People say today, and one of the things that I know about about science, um, as it goes to inquire about what's logical and what's not logical, is that some people say you cannot observe because um, a lot of it is observational, but you can't observe um, something that happened two thousand years ago. Right. So how do you factor that? Yeah. Okay. So science deals with evidence, right, and observation. Yeah. Um, okay. So whether it's physics. Um, whether it's biology, whatever, even even the social sciences and the, the um, you know psychology, that sort of thing, they're trying to observe phenomena. Um, you know, they'll make an inference, they'll test it, um, and and so science never sort of arrives at the truth, but gets closer and closer to the truth. Mm. So what's you know um, what's the best explanation? Um, yeah, right. For this or whatever. Yeah. Um, so as it applies to things in like history, mm-hmm. um, obviously when something's done and dusted, you know we 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 haven't got 
the same um, we haven't got the same amount of evidence for history as we do for the laws of physics for example yeah. um, but that doesn't that's not to say that we don't have any evidence mm. so one of the things I think that happens particularly so this this is pertains to miracles in the past yeah yeah and the resurrection most of all mm. um, people will talk about there's no evidence for the resurrection um, actually I think there is but no one actually saw the resurrection um, as so it happened as it happened yep. yeah so we have information eyewitnesses leading up to and then eyewitnesses afterwards after. but we don't have anyone seeing that Jesus wrote uh, Jesus coming out of the mm -hmm. you know and if we did no one would probably believe it anyway because everyone's a skeptic right yeah um, <laughs> yeah so there's two issues here so as you talk about the scientific method deals with the physical, mm -hmm. what can be observed, yeah. so empirical da data. Mm -hmm. um, and so by its nature, it rules out the supernatural. supernatural. It's just outside the realm of science. Yeah, yeah. And, and so Christians who engage in science will often say, okay, that's okay. You know, so science is for the physical and then we have to go somewhere else yeah. for, for the metaphysical. So what happened, you know, the spiritual and that sort of thing. Other people say, um, well, science is all there is. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and it's yeah, it's it's a different. So they use there was a school of thought which still affects a lot of um, particular, I think, older people in science and 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 atheists called logical positivism. Okay. Big word, and I learnt that off podcast. Um, <laughs> so, uh, actually, a lot of podcasts. What I find is repetition; it eventually sinks in. Yeah, so I'm not that yeah. smart, really. I'm just I'm. I'm just like the parrot, you know, rather than gay, what I've heard. Um, and what logical positivism said, uh, basically, statements can only have meaning if, if they can be empirically verified. So if we can only test the scientific... We, if, if they're not scientifically true and verifiable, then they're meaningless. meaningless. Yeah, it's not even that they're true or not. They're just yeah, meaningless, wow. so we don't use, use it. Um, and, and so now... That sounds good, but you know, it's like, well, is that actually true? I mean, mm. you know, um, if you want to refute that, that's a self-refuting statement, actually, mm -hmm. because um, did you find that statement in a test tube? Right. You know, how do you know it's true? Yeah. You know, it's saying only science leads to truth, but that's not a scientific mm. arrival. So, um, yeah, wow. um, so when you apply that to things like history and particularly the resurrection then well one the actual act of jesus resurrection is a miracle it's outside the scope of science so someone either logical positivist or someone influenced by that's going to say can't prove it yeah um yeah that's true but what we do in apologetics with that there's a couple of different approaches but even the minimal what's called the minimal facts approach to jesus resurrection says okay what is the uh, what do most historians agree, agree about yeah. uh, about the facts of Jesus and and the evidence around it? Um, and so, with very little information, you basically got First Corinthians fifteen, mm -hmm. um, which which Paul talks about the resurrection in there, and a few other. So you've got Paul, and, and um, even um, skeptical scholars believe Paul wrote First Corinthians, Galatians. Romans, um, a couple of other Philippians, yeah. um, maybe Philemon, I think, and and one other I can't remember. Timothy. No, I don't think they believe he wrote Timothy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't remember. 
fantastic. Um, so, and I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying, you know, when you get onto their turf, if you're arguing with someone who doesn't they believe in the Bible, there's no, but, but, you know, yeah. but the Bible said, well, I don't believe the Bible. Okay, well, let's look at this historically. Yeah. You know, um, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians in 55 AD. He was in Corinth, and he says in 1 Corinthians that he preached his message when he was in Corinth. We know he was in Corinth around 49 to 51 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, um, so Jesus died 30 to 33 AD. Paul was in Jerusalem soon afterwards. Yeah. This statement he uses in, in 1 Corinthians is, um, he says, for I passed on to you what I received as of first importance or something like that. And scholars tell me that is a technical rabbinic term for this is the teaching my rabbi gave me and this is what I'm passing on to you. Yeah, right. So Paul didn't make it up. He's actually received, received it from the apostles in, in yeah. Jerusalem. Yeah. And so we can and we go, okay, we know when Paul wasn't in, was in Jerusalem, when he wasn't in Jerusalem. So he's preached this, he's had this at least from 50 AD. He preached this in Corinth, right? Yeah. So that's maximum 20 years after yeah, Jesus wow. died. But it's been over a decade since he was in Jerusalem and met the apostles. So you're talking just a few years actually after the resurrection that this was what the apostles were preaching. Okay, So suddenly, okay, this is early testimony. Now it's not proof, but it's early testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. Um, And um, yeah, so so that's just one example then of, yeah, the skeptic's not going to accept it. And I'm not trying to... I'm actually not trying personally. Others will have a different approach. My, my philosophy is not to try and convince someone who doesn't want to believe, because I'm never going to. That's, got, that, that's a work of the Holy Spirit anyway. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that Christianity has rational grounds. Yeah. You know, It's yeah. not just faith. It, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a faith proposition. I just believe it because I want it to be true sort of thing. You know, um, Hollywood faith. If you believe hard enough, it'll happen. <laughs> no. Um, I think there are rational grounds beyond just the Bible says it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm just taking that. I'm not saying Paul is inspired by God. I'm just saying he wrote these down and, mm-hmm. you know, we can trace it all. That take, it, take the God factor out. This is a historical document. Everyone agrees. Even the most, you know... Skeptical historians agree that, and, and New Testament scholars agree that Paul wrote these books, yeah. and so we can trace it all. and And this is what Paul was. Be- so we know it was being taught. Mm. We know that you know someone was saying Jesus rose right. soon after he rose. Now you don't have to believe it. I'm just saying that's the evidence. Yeah. So don't tell me that Christianity is not based on has no evidence. You may not think it's good evidence um, or strong evidence or whatever, but you know to say there's no evidence is mm. is a different thing. I think. Yeah. Um, and that's what drives me crazy when people go, oh, there's no evidence for Christianity. It's like, no, you're just so biased yeah. that you, you don't want to accept it and see that there, there might just be a crack of um, yeah, well, truth to this, you know. Yeah. Um, and I haven't appealed to inspiration <laughs> of scripture or, or anything no, 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 like that, yeah. you know. Because um, then after you go from there, then you can start to talk yeah, about, if yeah. you, well, if you disagree on the evidence, yeah. like, you can start to talk about, you know, what is it that you look for to... Yeah. To, you know, 
like, like how do you gather your evidence? Is it just hearsay? And then, okay, I'll talk well, about and hearsay is a form of evidence. Yeah. It's not a good form of evidence, but it's a form of evidence. Mm. And when added to stronger forms of evidence, then it starts to build a case. Yeah. Right. And so what they talk about with Christianity is the cumulative case um, okay, uh, for Christianity. And so it's not, there's no one knockdown argument, but um, when you take, so the, uh, the evidence for the resurrection, mm-hmm. and it's more than just 1 Corinthians, there's other things as well. Yeah. Um, um, when you take the philosophical arguments, um, when you take things like the fine tuning of the universe, so, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that the universe, if, um, if one, um, one dial, Basically, yeah, on all yeah. the you know the the you know there's this what is it I, I can't even I'm not, you know the different magnetic forces and yeah. atomic for and all this sort of stuff. One thing was different, um, even marginally. Mm-hmm. Certainly, life as we know it wouldn't exist, no. and possibly life at all couldn't exist. Yeah. Any sort of life, you know, mm-hmm. and that becomes another argument. But but the point is, certainly, um, the universe looks like it's fine tuned for for life. Okay, you know, so that calls for explanation yeah that's not proof of christianity but it calls for explanation and so then we we, we that's start right. you know that's right. um and um you know so you know so that's where i say well science yeah the big bang when i was growing up big bang was and i think for many christians still is was uh, anathema you know it's like oh you can't that's all to do with evolution and that sort of thing yeah do you know it was a catholic priest who was an astrophysicist who um, theorized the Big Bang? Yeah. And atheists hated it because it became evidence for a beginning for the universe. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone until then thought the universe was oh, just yeah, eternal, yeah. basically. So suddenly, like, you mean the universe has a beginning, and I uh, herein might be an argument for God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like when Christians just a big bang, man. That's one of our strongest scientific arguments. You know, yeah, whatever else you want to do with Genesis, right, man, embrace this. Um, so... So you're pretty much saying we've won a majority of the scientists that were into <laughs> Christian No, we yeah. haven't. Look, the I'm majority of scientists I'm certainly aren't, but yeah, yeah. yeah um, wow. Many, many top scientists that. are, yeah. Holy so, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you great. know, so Christians, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be worried or afraid of science. Mm. Um, and again, a lot of a lot of the uh, so-called scientific scientific arguments against God or whatever, they're very often not because once we start talking about them in relation to God, we're into metaphysics, which you know is um, it's basically what comes after physics. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, spirituality mm. and um, mm. you know um, the, the stuff you know above the physical world yeah. and outside it um, and science, a lot of scientists just don't have the tools for dealing with it yeah. you know knowledge nowadays is so specialized um, that unless you've got training in something you're really uh, not going to have it you might be the smartest person in the world but you know it's so compartmentalized that you completely stuff up when you're trying to explain this thing or drawing the wrong conclusions or whatever so um you know we shouldn't be afraid of science or scientists Mm. um who who supposedly oppose us um yeah and you know so taking that stance suddenly then science and you know on the news or whatever becomes a lot more 
you know, you can explore ideas. Yeah. Um, and it seemed as well that science has been a lot more uh, on the side of confirming a lot of what Christians have believed. I think uh, so. Personally, I'd say confirming, yes. At the very least, it doesn't, yeah. you know, disconfirm. There's no, yeah. no evidence to the yeah. contrary. But yeah, and what's interesting with science is, you know, Christians, um, the, the first scientists, Christian, science grew up out of a Christian mindset, understanding. Mm. Um, in fact, this, yeah, of course, not everyone agrees with this. So just take that as not everyone agrees <laughs> with that. I recognize that. I, I hear their arguments. But, yeah. you know, there's an argument that says science couldn't have grown up out of anything other than Christianity. Because... Um, Christianity was basically we believe you know we see an orderly we believe God is orderly yeah and so we would expect that to be in his creation and so we'd expect to be able to Observe. investigate yeah, in consistent things yeah, yeah. whereas for others you know basically the the universe is magic you know the gods just do things arbitrarily mm-hmm. um, and and so you're not even thinking in, in scientific terms yeah. um, mm. so anyway yeah but certainly, all the the early scientists were um, were Christians, and you know, a lot of atheists. Well, well, they didn't have a choice. That's all there was. But you know, again, a, you know, a lot of lot of people, historians and philosophers, argue, yeah, but it's true that they didn't have any choice but to be Christian. But you know, it's probably also, you know, it's probable that we wouldn't have science as we know it if they weren't Christian. It's quite a lot to chew over. I know. Um, one of the, I think, what I want to go back to perhaps is um, a little bit on the morality side of things, um, mm. which which is another side of, of, of um, apologetic. I was going to say agnost- yeah, it is. agnosticism, <laughs> morality, and um, just I think effectively the part where. For the main argument that I've, that I've actually heard, or the main thing that I've actually heard when people are talking about God, is this idea of of not just you know like it's not just about the God who loves you, but it's really a God who wants to control you. And um, I want to be an individual. I want to know what's right and what's wrong. Um, you know, a lot of people are being told, you know, if you just do the right thing. That's you know that's a very Western thinking. We talk, mm. We're told about it. Just you know, at the end of the day, if the good outweighs the bad, mm. Western thinking. Um, but it curbs a little bit into Christianity, and so in terms of morality, mm. who who decides that? In terms of you know who says this is justice versus you know non-justice. This is right. Mm. This is wrong. Um, and. I've seen some some Christians go as well to the extreme of like the extreme of liberalism, mm. and some also go to mm. the other extreme of being so constricted. Mm. So, any thoughts on that, and uh, specifically what Christianity might be saying to? Yeah. So I think uh, um, two thoughts come to mind. One is you know the matter of authority, and and where do we take our authority from? Right. So as Christians, certainly as conservative Christians. We take our authority from Scripture, but understanding as Christians, Scripture is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, if, if, if we're a um, Bible-believing Christian, then that just has to be. If we're, you know, um, 
if we start questioning the Bible on this, I don't know that we can call ourselves a Bible-believing Christian. Right. Not saying you're not saved, okay? I'm just... Um, so that that's why it's about wherever we get our authority, moral authority from. That that's one way. So where's your authority? What's your authority mm-hmm. on that? And the other then has to do with um, another big uh, word, ontology, philosophical word. Which uh, ontology has to do with the nature of things, things as they really are. Um, okay. So. Um, um, yeah. Um, let me go back to authority first of all. Um, so who who has the right to make the rules? Who mm-hmm. has the... Um, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's uh, one thing in regard to morality. And so, you know, as a Christian, obviously I say, well, you know, that's God. God has, has the right to make those rules mm-hmm. and uh, the authority... Um, and we're all beholden to God because He is God. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, now and again, as a Christian, I say, if you don't believe, mm-hmm. I, as a Christian, am not going to impose my beliefs on you. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I have. I don't think I have that right because God seems to give you the freedom yeah, to not believe. Yeah. Yeah. God, who is the authority, gives you the freedom to you know disobey Him. Then me, who's not the authority, certainly has no right yeah. to. But having said, I'm not going to impose my beliefs on you that you have the right to think differently. I think you're wrong. Mm. You know, and again, it comes down to this truth claim: is okay um, if God exists and God, if God is our standard of goodness and morality, then that's the truth. Mm. So now we could all be wrong. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying. But at least let's try and set a standard that we're, we're arguing by and disagreeing over That's rather right. than... Yeah. Um, because if you don't have an objective standard ultimately, and look, atheists have tried this. I am yet to hear a good argument for objective morality, mm-hmm. objective morals and duties that I am obliged to obey apart from God. Mm-hmm. It's not to say atheists can't be good people. Atheists and Christians are sometimes confuse this with thinking you can't be a good person without an objective, without God. No, you can't. Mm. Because we can we can come up with these ideas and that sort of thing. But the difference is you might have the best moral snap framework in the world. Why am I obliged to follow it? Mm-hmm. There might be all sorts of consequences if I don't. But why am I morally obliged to follow it? Mm-hmm. I, I ultimately, I have not heard a good reason why I'm yeah. not. Yeah. If there is God, then just by nature, you know, it's it, uh, this is where I'm told this the nature of things is that mm-hmm. I'm obliged to follow it. That's right. Because God has created yeah. things to be consistent with his nature. So he, in, a, in a sense his nature permeates all of creation. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes that standard, that authority. Yeah. Um so even though the non-believer or even the believer who, who wants to be disobedient, I don't have the right to, you know, force you to conform, you're still wrong, mm. you know, yeah. assuming that I'm saying things correctly, you know. Um, yeah. So, you know, that has to do with, with, with morality there. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing has to do with nature. So God has created, so God, God just gets to set the rules. 
But God sets the rules in, you know, has created the, the world to be consistent with his nature. Yeah. And so for us, morality and really just soul health and mentally and everything, if we're not living consistent with that reality, then we're living out, we're living out of alignment with everything. That's what's in one of the, the, the words for sin is basically things are bent. Yeah. And, and so when we're not living consistent with the nature of the universe as God has created it, we're bent, that's sin, mm. um, and leads to all sorts of trouble. Yeah, um, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. long answer yeah. to a short question. No, that one's always going to be a long answer. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a subject with, yeah. uh, with short answers. Yeah. Um, sort of all getting to the end, but um, so when we're speaking with you know, and and a lot of our, in a lot of our, you know, in a lot of our schools today, and a lot of our thinking today is more scientific mm-hmm. based, where we look for logic. But then, when we're talking about people from other religions, they've got a different. Um, it, it's almost like they claim that um, the they've got an answer to the metaphysical. Sure the stuff outside of science and so when we're talking to people like that it's obviously it obviously goes into a place where like is it is it the bible that you would use or is it science that you would use or is it philosophy yeah. or um which one of the other ones history that you'd use to try and yeah so i would i would say as a general rule when you're getting and and this goes for anyone when you're getting into these deep discussions first of all listen because yeah you need to you need to understand what the other person actually believes um so i've talked generally about atheism Mm. but you i'll just use that as the first example when you talk to you know so there's atheism then there's this atheist they might believe something completely different to another atheist because atheism is not a religion. Just, I just don't believe in God. Okay, yeah. here's all, all my reasons. I might be completely illogical about it. You mm-hmm. know, um, and and so what we need to do is listen and make sure we're hearing. If, if we're talking about winning a person, because ultimately apologetics. You know, so I talked about it as discipleship. Yeah. I, I would engage in apologetics to strengthen the faith of Christians, mm-hmm. but as an evangelistic tool, then it's about. It's not about winning an argument. It's about winning a person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so all our normal rules for Christian life come in. I want to love this person. Yeah, this person is made in the image of God, whether they believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're made in the image of my God, whether they believe another God or not. <laughs> so you know, they have dignity, they have value, they have worth. I want to love them, and part of that is listening. I want to understand them, and I want to listen favorably. What I hear often. Um, is, is Christians just want to get into an argument and win the argument. Mm. And I think we need to give other people a sympathetic listening because that's what we want. And Jesus said, do unto others what you want them to do to you. <laughs> so I want to give this person a sympathetic listen and make sure I understand what they're really saying. Yeah, That doesn't mean I have to agree with them. That's yeah. just, you know. Um, but it also means then, you know, they're going to, if they feel heard, they're going to be more open to you anyway because mm. you care about them, you know. Yeah. Um, but then I would say, yeah, really with different religions, you need to know your stuff, I think, which partly comes from listening and partly from reading. Because yeah. um, most people don't really know their religion that well. Mm. Most Christians don't know Christianity that well. How many people have read the whole Bible, for example? Or, right. you know? yeah. Yeah. So, um, And that's just a starting point. Yeah. 
So then you, you sort of need to know a bit about uh, uh, about their religion. I wouldn't use the Bible to, to beat them over with. I mean, but, you know, when you're talking, if you're listening to them, they're going to be open probably, I assume, to listen in. This is what we believe. Okay, mm-hmm. pointing out the points of difference, that sort of thing. Bringing science into it, I'd probably be asking more for things like evidence or whatever. Um, Christianity is the most historical of all the religions. Um, it, it, it can be our actually our our chief claims like the resurrection are, are based on history. Yeah. If they were they can be proven or disproven, and if Jesus did not rise from the dead in history, then it's over. Nothing. Yeah. Um, other religions are. Um, so in, in some senses, you could say um, they say for science it has to be falsifiable. You have to you know you have to at least have the possibility of being able to prove that this is wrong in order to prove that it's right, right? Yeah. Christianity, you can do that. Yeah. You can't really do that with other religions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, again, I, I would think for most people, honestly, know your stuff about Christianity so that you're strong in your faith um, and then just love the person. Yeah. But get to know that religion a little bit and you'll be able to. Some people are actually called to argue and to, to you know witness to people of other religions. Some people love it when the JWs pitch up on their door. They're in there and they're going through the scriptures. Yeah. And they're, what, they're, they're, they're some who believe the Bible. Their Bible might be different, but you know they're in there. When the Mormons, great, come in, let's have a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas other people, it might be, hey, I just want to be your friend and let the light of Jesus shine shine through you. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, and and in all of it, I think remember the Holy Spirit. It's a ho- Holy Spirit's job to draw people. That's you right. know, That's um, right. we shine our light with the light of Christ in us, but the, the Spirit will bring conviction ultimately. Mm. So, yeah, brother. Um, um, oh, so much more we wanted to go to um, <laughs> part two, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what is it your best sort of explanation for yourself that you found on the issue of of suffering yeah. in the world um, everybody asks that question. yeah yeah so I've got a few actually so first of all philosophically yeah so the question how could a God who knows everything is is all-knowing all-loving and all-powerful you know if he's all-powerful he can stop suffering if he's all-loving he wants to stop suffering and if he's all-knowing um, he knows it's you know he knows about suffering, yeah. so he's not let off by ignorance. Yeah. Um, and yet, there's loads of suffering. Um, so I think a, a lot of suffering we can we can lift the burden of guilt from God because you know with free will, God gives us free will. Um, and I, I I would guess that probably most human suffering is actually induced by other humans. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, so let's take that off. But then there is still natural evil. You mm-hmm. know, people die in bushfires, earthquakes, disease, yeah. that sort of thing. How could God allow that? Mm-hmm. Um, and how could God create a universe? Come back to how could God create a universe in which sins would come to be? Yeah. You know, yeah. why didn't He create a universe without sin? Mm-hmm. And um, philosophically, um, you can argue that. Um, God has a, so all, all we need to argue is God has a morally sufficient reason mm. to allow that suffering. So essentially, the good will outweigh the bad. Mm. Okay, yeah. and if God is all knowing, all loving, and all powerful, 
he can do that. He yeah. knows things that we don't know. So for me, ultimately, it does come down to a statement of trust. I believe in the character of God yeah. um, and that he had a good enough reason and that when we stand before the judgment throne, we will say, yeah, we can see that. That was good enough, God. That, that was great, you know. Um, so that's that's one. Um, so for me, it's just... Uh, but, you know, that's a statement of faith. It's not a... Um, but that statement that God has morally sufficient, could have morally sufficient, I, I think, uh, as I understand it, and having heard the philosophy, it is philosophically sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and William Lane Craig says that philosophers have, by and large, just don't talk about this anymore. Yeah, wow. Um, because it's, it's recognised as answered. There's more subtleties to, the, to this, have, has to do with probability and that sort of thing, but that's another thing. So that's one. The other... Um, other, for me, the, the single biggest answer to suffering in this life is eternity. Um, okay. So we see suffering. I have suffering in this life. Mm. God promises an, another life without suffering. Um, what I've learned in life is that a lot of the things I suffer at the time are very intense and I want it to be over and sometimes I want to die. When that suffering is over... I may be changed, but actually, I no longer want to die. <laughs> you know, I no longer, life's pretty good again. Glad that's over. Didn't want to go for it. But when you're in the middle of suffering, yeah, that's that's your entire world. Surreal, you know, surreal, yeah. um, and um, and you know, for us in this life, this is this is our world. So we we have no other perspective. When you're in the middle of suffering, and it's that overwhelming suffering. You have no other perspective. Yeah. Someone standing outside can say, "Hey, buddy, this will this will pass." You know, you don't want your life to end now. You know, you don't want to mm. curse everything you've ever known. But when we're in the middle of, it, we can't see that. And so I think that I, that's how I see this life. We're in the middle of it. We don't have the full perspective. When we step into eternity, we're going to have the perspective to be able to look back mm. and so. So again, that's a faith argument. Right. But I still think it's a philosophically sound argument because. Mm. Um, now, it's an argument that if God is real and if there is eternal life, then this is an answer to it. But if God's not real and there's not eternal life, none of it matters anyway, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, so so that's my answer to the, the question of suffering. That's how I respond to it. Um, yeah, wow. So, yeah. And so if God isn't real and morality is relative... What kind of can you help me understand? What kind of mindset the atheist is facing? What kind of like because to say that it doesn't matter and yet pain feels so real. Pain feels well. So pain is real. It is real, but ultimately it's meaningless. Pain and pleasure, everything's meaningless. Okay, so there's two 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 ways as I understand that atheists look at this. One is that, um, and I don't want to quote people I haven't read but I know you know secondarily but you know there's a lot of famous atheists that basically you know everything's meaningless and it's just despair is all that's in front of us Um, the other view I think is to we create meaning Um, so even if life is meaningless we have to live as if it has meaning so we we create create meaning um, and the way I've started to think about this from trying to see it from the point of view of the atheist is that um, there's two levels of meaning. So there's transcendent meaning. And we can only have transcendent meaning either if God is real or if what we do has eternal significance, mm. right? Um, so I might pass away, but 
my life here will have consequence. Yeah. Thing is, on atheism, probably scientists think that the, the universe is going to end in a heat death, so eventually everything will just be cold, still, no life, no nothing. Mm. So ultimately, if there is no God, we have no transcendent meaning, because there's just nothing left, you know? No, no one to remember us by, all our monuments crumble, there's just nothing. Um, no one to remember anything even existed. So then we have to create meaning in the now. So um, a more imminent meaning in this life. And, you know, I can look back on my life and say, I made, you know, we, we exist. I made the best of this life I could. I tried to make it good for others or whatever your moral framework is. Yeah. Um, and we can look back. And, and so my life has meaning because, you know, while we're here, we are conscious. I'm going to slip off into the great, you know, asleep and, you know, um, oblivion. But at least in, in I have you know yeah so I think I think there's an argument that atheists can make some sort of meaning out of that um, but that I don't see any transcendent meaning in there um, and a lot of atheists will argue well that's meaningless you know it's just the way it is and I'm like for me the fact that we ask questions about transcendence I think that we have this yearning in our souls mm. um, indicates that there's something out there. C.S. Lewis said this, that, um, you know, if, if I'm hungry, it's because there's food. You know, if I'm mm. thirsty, it's because there's water. Yeah. Um, if I long for eternity, it's because there's eternity, you know. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. I want to finish on... What do you say to a Christian who is struggling with the existence of God mm. and maybe the Bible is the last place to want to look mm. and mm. everything else seems so enticing mm. Mm. right now um, and maybe it might be because of suffering, mm. it might be because they can't understand mm. or put together the Bible. Um, it just doesn't make sense to them mm. or um, you know whatever number of reasons there are but they just it's it's hard for them to hang mm. on to their faith mm. right now mm. what do you say to them mm. um, so I would want to find out what's going on in their life obviously yeah. so to, I'd, I'd want to personalize it but let me since we've been talking about apologetics let me give three broad yeah answers to that that I think are important for us to, to maintain our faith. Yeah. One is the intellectual. Yeah. Christianity has sound intellectual. There, there are good intellectual reasons to believe Christianity is true. Yeah. So if your problem is intellectual, then look at it intellectually. But you can't just do it intellectually because mm. um, you can believe it's true and have a shriveled heart and still walk away from faith. Yeah. So the second thing is feed your soul. And that's where I think um, I've become more and more convinced of it's important to be in Christian fellowship, good Christian fellowship, Correct. but also not allowing contaminants in. Um, so we want to dance both with the world, with, with we want to dance with Jesus and the devil, you know, essentially sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we, we walk up, we do the church thing, but we're also doing the non-Christian, the un-Christian thing, actually. Um, and, you know, so whether it's TV, the people we hang out or whatever, who are feeding us contrary, mm. what I would say is untruth. Um, 
So we'll be very careful about that. You yeah. know, who, basically, who, who do you hang out with? Yeah. Um, and what are you surrounding yourself with? Fellowship's so important to feed our, our soul and our heart. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, and, of course, ultimately, it's a fellowship with God. Um, intellectual, yeah. feed the soul, in community, yeah, and relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, for me, the reason I'm a Christian, yeah, is because I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, I might be a Christian if I wasn't. But I know I'd be a very different kind of Christian because I I was that Christian for a long time. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. Um, I believe, but now I know. I know because I know because I know. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I've had an experience of God being filled with what we call being filled with the Spirit as Christian as Pentecostals. But I just got I've had an experience of God. That's a beyond reasonable, logical, historical. <laughs> So it is. Kind of that's right. You know, that that yeah. that's right. It is. Um, it's um, you know. I say I um, I can know about someone. Mm. You know, I can tell you all about my wife, but I know her in ways you never will. <laughs> of course, you know, yeah. without yeah. without trying to be crude or anything. But that's the reality. So I have a knowing there, and you can try and argue to me. Oh, your wife's just a figment of your imagination, mm. or what? And like, no, you know. Um, and so that's why, for me, I, I think um, I'll never be convinced differently. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. I, I admit that when I look at all of this, I'm, I'm completely biased. I, I'm as biased as I am when I'm try, talking about who's got the best wife. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's yeah. end of argument. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but. But that doesn't mean that I can't also give you good reasons as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so it's both end. But, you know, that said, um, if someone could prove to me, prove to me that Jesus did not rise, rise from the dead, and this is not provable, but if someone could prove to me that Jesus did not rise from the dead, my faith is over. Mm. You know, uh, well, it will look very different. I might still believe in God. I'm, I'm going to have to really think about what that all means, mm. what, you know, what this experience I've had means. Yeah. But uh, I'm not really worried about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, I remember when growing, you know, early Christianity, there was the the movie The Golden Compass that came yeah. out, and it's like, oh, God has been disproven. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the shroud of no, not that one. There was actually the painting. The painting where uh, there's a lot of talk around. I never looked into it. There's a lot of talk around. Oh yeah, there was actually Jesus's wife in the painting. Oh right, yeah. That's like the Da Vinci Code and stuff. Yeah, Da Vinci Code. Loved that movie, Angels and Demons and all that. Um, So it it actually gained quite a bit of traction with, um, and I think the whole atheist kind of idea gained a lot of traction in the past. I think 20, 30 years more than any other time. And so, um, yeah, good. Um, in any case, I think that next time we talk, I know what our subject is going <laughs> to be. It's going to be how to think. And that's going to be good fun. Okay. Um, so you've talked about Gordon and Fee's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Worth. Yeah. 
Homemade God by Andrews. Yeah. Unbelievable by Briley. The Reason for God. I mentioned that one by yep. Keller. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Any uh, wait, load. I'd um, say uh, on add on guard by William Lane Craig to that. Um, his more uh, deeper work or heavier work is uh, Reasonable Faith, um, which I have read. I haven't read on guard, but um, it's a bit more accessible. Reasonable faith. Now I'm going to be honest. You use a lot of big words. That I, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> But I think that part of being a student is we have to be exposed to look up complexity. <laughs> yeah, have a dictionary. I'm going to have a dictionary next to you. Yeah, thank you, Alex. That's really yeah. good. Um, thanks for letting us your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's really good. Thank really you. Good. Do you want to hear a really good stat? I looked this up, and today it's sort of reason. Um, oh, that's the wrong application. But um, I looked this up today. And you know th- that the episode with uh, fatherhood and masculinity, the one that we, mm. our last conversation was actually one of the highest played episodes. Is that right? Um, yeah. So it, it's quite insane to me. Um, but at the same time, I think I, I do get the need for that conversation to, yeah. to happen uh, and to have happened and to keep happening in society. Um, Let's have a look here. Uh, 6, 19, 17. Uh, I think it has something like... It's been played 20 times. Okay. And still counting. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's not that's not counting other places where I've put it. Uh, okay. I think i put it on SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, and it had somewhere near 10 plays, so that's been really good. And I think, you know, at some point, I'd probably like to go back and um, speak about that. But one of the things that I want to share with you is because one of the first, that was one of the first episodes, it's actually been, people have actually been tracking along. So 175 and okay. um, plays all together and 15.9 place per episode okay so do you know how many you, followers you have or I, no it doesn't say that no, it doesn't um, count plays okay. it just counts plays and that's on various platforms yeah. okay. um, fantastic which has been so great because you know like I wanted to share that with you just to let you know yeah. people are listening yeah <laughs> they're actually that's listening right. in the, and so um, yeah just wanted to say thanks with um, that no, that's good. I've always wanted to do a bit of podcasting and stuff like that. Will you let um, me know? Yeah, um, no, that's great. And I think that you, because you're being consistent with it as well, yeah. I mean, keep up with it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. The little things you're doing, you know, better microphone. And yeah, I'm that working all on that. And, um, yeah. Yeah, cool. That was great. That was fantastic. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you um, for listening in and lending us your ear. We hope that that was enriching for you. We hope that that was um, challenging. 
for you and we hope that it actually uh, brought a sense of this is not such a massive subject that it's just for the intellectually astute to tackle. I want to encourage you to, if you haven't already, uh, maybe start those conversations with people who you have in your life that don't follow God at the moment. I want to encourage you to start those conversations with people in your life that you know have been following God for a while and perhaps they have those tough questions. Maybe you've got those hard questions to do with suffering, to do with the reality of God, to do with reconciling science with the knowledge that we have from the Bible, to do with the resurrection of Jesus and what are some of the things that actually our faith hinges on that we know are non-negotiable um, for us. And, and so... I hope that this blessed you. If you're new to this podcast, I want to encourage you again, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, and share this um, to somebody it might it will serve um, to hear this conversation happening and maybe it might help them, um, I don't know, maybe to, to, to unlock something. Um, one last thing is if you have been somehow blessed by this or you would like us to tackle certain topics get in touch with me let me know and um, apart from that thanks for tuning in you'll be hearing from me in next week's podcast see you there